Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Mary Hyatt. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. All right, so I chatted with Mary Hyatt today, and I absolutely loved her energy, and I love her approach to just fitness, body image, health. Um, She is on a quest to feel alive and to live a full life of gratitude, joy, authenticity, and an abundance in body, mind, and soul. So she is from Nashville, and she is an amazing just coach, a person who has such a light that she is bringing to this world, and she does a weekly Facebook live show every Wednesday at, um, I think it's at 1 on Central Standard Time. So I definitely think you guys should check that out if you guys are intrigued by Mary and want to know a little bit more or have further questions for Mary. Let her know. Hop on the Facebook Live with her and um, ask her, you know, tell her that you heard her on the podcast and um, you have a few follow-up questions for her if anything really strikes your fancy because we go deep today and we start off going deep. So um, really, really hope you guys enjoy today's show. And um, this is a great episode if you really wanted to do some self-work and ideas on how and where to get started. All right, so without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today I have Mary Hyatt on with us. And so I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Mary, and I want you to kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and anything maybe that you're passionate about right now. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for having me on the show. I'm just so excited to be here and to talk to all the amazing women who are listening. And I am I kind of wear a bunch of different hats. I always have a little bit of trouble answering the question of, okay, well, what is it that you do? <laughs> and I really, my first love and passion is that I am a life coach and business consultant. So I work with women who are entrepreneurs and they have some of the things in their life working really well, but oftentimes they lack confidence. They really have a difficult time prioritizing self-care and their mental game is really at a place where it's keeping them stuck. So I get really down and dirty and into all the, the stuff that they're dealing with to really help them wake up to embrace the amazingness that they already are, learning how to trust themselves, living a life that is bred from this deep place of authenticity and alignment with who they truly are so that they can feel fully alive in body and mind and spirit and where everything in their life sort of just clicks together. And then I am also a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils. I'm a presidential diamond with them and help to educate about natural forms of healthcare. And I also consider myself a body love advocate. So I am constantly talking about how we as women can sort of reject this whole diet mentality and pressure that is put on us as women to be this perfect Barbie picture and really learn how to embrace our bodies and make peace with food and make peace with the mirror and learn how to quiet our own body bully and really learn to accept and love our body no matter where it is when we find it at this stage of our life. Mm. Yes. There's so many, so many directions I can go in and I can relate to like the introduction. I'm like, 
I also have a few different hats that I wear. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think I want to start with one area that uh, I felt really uh, drawn to, and I don't know if it was on one of your videos that I watched that you had shared this, but you talked about how you slowly felt like you, you were dying inside. And I want to know, because I've actually had quite a few women, especially because I work a lot with women who are in the postpartum period. And I find that can be definitely a time where people start to feel that. But I want to know how you knew it was happening. Because sometimes we fall into this rut and we don't even realize what's going on with us. Well, I love that question because when I rewind the clock for myself and look back over that season of life where I would describe myself as just a zombie. I was completely numbed out. I was completely checked out. I had let my body get to a place that I didn't even recognize who I was looking at in the mirror. I was on medication for anxiety and for depression. I was suicidal. I was in a marriage. It was very unfulfilling. And what's funny about that question is I don't think I even knew. I think that I didn't have the awareness that this wasn't all that life was here to give me. I just kind of thought, okay, I have to cope with life. I have to deal with all of this stress. I have to deal with all of this trauma. I have to deal with a relationship that I don't want to be in. And I think with the messages that I was receiving as a woman in the South, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, it was all about play small, be little, be quiet, don't use your voice, sort of be in service to your husband. And there was no focus on who I was, who I wanted to become, any kind of dreams or passions or just things that I was wrestling with. It was all internal for me, which creates obviously a lot of tension inside of yourself. And you feel like, okay, well, I'm wearing all these different masks and I'm pretending to be happy when I'm really feeling miserable inside. And so for me, I think it got to a breaking point before I sort of woke up and realized, oh my gosh, I just spent the last five years of my life as somebody who I am not and really pretending. I mean, it was a game of pretending and it sort of hit the point where I couldn't do it anymore, which felt really scary because my whole world was orchestrated around me playing the certain role, pretending to be the certain person. And it wasn't who I was. I wasn't happy. I wasn't thriving. I was the, the heaviest I had ever been. I was the most unhealthy I'd had ever been. My anxiety and depression was the highest it had ever been. And so to probably most people, it was super obvious, but it took for me sort of this moment, this sort of come to Jesus moment, <laughs> as we call it in the South, where I looked at myself in the mirror and who I was looking at wasn't resonating with me. It was like, who is this person? Mm -hmm. And I caught a glimpse of my eyes, which was sort of the only thing that was left of the, the true self of who I was. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh my God, like there has got to be more to life than this. Like this can't be all that there is to be so miserable. And then on the outside, having to pretend and smile and act like everything was fine. And my life was perfect. I mean, that was just a recipe for, for me at the time to suicide. And so I just thought, gosh, certainly there's something else. So for me, I think it was being numb for a long time. And that was a way of survival to finally saying enough is enough. And I need to figure out how to wake up, how to, find who I am and how to live out of that truth. 
And how did you kind of, what was that first step looking like? Because I'm sure there's other people listening who are probably in that same boat right now. So they're thinking how, what is that first thing I should do or look at? Yeah, I think the first step is a a willingness to admit the truth. Mm -hmm. And that was really scary because like I said, everything was built upon this, this foundation that I thought was super solid, which of course it wasn't. But I had to admit to myself, first and foremost, that I wasn't happy. And that's scary. That level of honesty, that radical honesty with yourself is the first step to creating change. Because without that, when you're in a state of denial, when you keep pretending and pretending and trying to keep it all together, you can't really move forward because your whole life's energy is wrapped around maintaining this this persona. And so the first step I think in this process is radical honesty, admitting where you are, the hard truth, what you feel like is missing in your life, what you feel like is a deficit in your life, what you feel like you want more of, what you feel like you're missing and really getting honest. And that doesn't mean that you have to blow up your whole life and change everything and destroy your family or get divorced or anything like that. To me, that's the birthplace of incredible and beautiful and really restorative life-altering changes that can be really redemptive in many areas of your life. And for me at the time, what I ended up doing after I had that moment of honesty with myself, I, which is very true to my personality, (laughs) I kind of overdo things. I went on Amazon and ordered 20 books and they were all geared around self-help, self-discovery because I thought, gosh, if I want a better life, if I want to feel better, then I got to figure out what the heck is going on and gain some tools to help me walk through this journey. So the first book that I pulled out that was, and still is one of the most life-changing books I've ever read was a book by Brene Brown called Daring Greatly. And it's sort of all about this, stepping into your authentic self and sort of reclaiming your life. And using your voice. And so that was a radical concept for me, the idea of authenticity, that I didn't have to lie anymore, that I could actually show up as me and live in congruency with who I truly was versus just pretending all the time. So that book was the catalyst for all of those sort of major life changes in my life. Mm. That's a good one. I have that one on my shelf as well. So when you're kind of like on that journey and, you know, I think sometimes we maybe read the book, but we don't always take the time to implement what we're reading. Um, Is there anything on that regard that you can say to women who might be like, okay, I've read the books. I'm still stuck. Yeah. To me, it's all mindset. So the way I think about it is that we have these stories that we've created in our lives, these stories about who we are, our place in the world, our purpose in the world, what we're capable of, and those are very deep set of beliefs about who we are. And oftentimes they are false. Oftentimes they are these beliefs that we need to update, that are not true about who we are, that are limiting in some way, that are a misinterpretation of the truth. And so part of the work that I did, a massive part of the work that I did is I had to wrestle with those stories. I had to get really clear on what were the stories 
that I was enacting in my life, the story that I was always going to be overweight, the story that I wasn't going to be happy, that happiness was for other people but not for me, that I would always struggle with money, that people would be successful but I would have to struggle to get there, that other people had more than I had, and it was easier for them, and I just was depressed and I was anxious so it was gonna be more difficult for me. And I had to identify, okay, what are these stories? And then realize how deep they were. Where did they start? Where did they begin? Where did they, they come from? And then through journaling, it was a lot of journaling for me, I had to begin to rewrite my story. A story that felt empowering to me, a story that felt like I really wanted to live into that. And it required... I mean, really a huge dose of courage to imagine my life any other way than it was because the only proof that I had was the way that it had always been. And I remember talking to a dear friend of mine and she said, Mary, she said, everything that has happened is an outdated story. What happened five minutes ago is an outdated story. What happened five seconds ago is an outdated story. That's what happened. That's not what's happening or not what can happen. And I just started to think, wow, I don't have to keep repeating these patterns, keep repeating these habits, keep sort of replaying this old tape, this old story over and over again at nausea that I could actually do something to shift that and to change that. So I really began working largely with journaling, with affirmations and set to work at retraining my mindset to visualize a different future for myself and, and create a new story for my life. Yes. I, I think that's huge. Just like the journaling piece and writing it all out there. Cause sometimes what you write down, like I read back, you know, a couple of years ago in my journals, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know I felt that way or just like, this is amazing stuff. I never did anything with it. And just kind of reading back some of those old, old thoughts and old, you know, maybe thought patterns that you maybe are repeating over and over, you might say, okay, there is a pattern here that maybe you didn't think even existed. So I think that's such a powerful tool to use. It really is. It really helps with awareness because so much of how we operate operate in life is from what we're thinking subconsciously. And so we have to bring it up to the level of consciousness so we go, oh my gosh, I, in my rational brain, maybe wouldn't even say that I believe this, but when I pull back the layers, I peel back the layers, the reality is I'm operating my entire life based on the fear that I'm not enough or the fear that I can never be happy or the fear that God is out to get me and it's going to teach me a lesson. Is it going to punish me? I mean, these deep rooted fears that we sort of operate and orchestrate our life around if we can bring this up to awareness, then it gives us the opportunity and the, and the chance to take responsibility over them and say, okay, do I want to continue to keep believing this? Do these beliefs, do these fears, do these stories need updating? Does the story of who I am, the identity of who I am need to be updated to where I am? Do I want to change that? Do I want to shift that? And it gives us our sense of power back to have some control over what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So kind of on the other side of this then would be kind of that radical self-love. Like once you've kind of done the work and you get through it and then hopefully you get to that radical self-love piece. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and maybe how people can start to incorporate that into their own lives? Yeah. You know, it's funny in the way you phrase that is so interesting because it's like, okay, we'll end up at self-love. 
And as I've done a lot of work around this, what I've realized is we think that that's the goal is to kind of end up to a place, okay, where I really accept myself, I love myself. But when you are in the trenches, when you are doing the work, when you are wrestling with these demons and wrestling with these fears, that is the time that we have to sort of summon this higher level of self-love and compassion and empathy for ourselves because those are the times that we need love the most. Not when we've sort of gotten out of it and dealt with all of our stuff and we've sort of come out the other side. It's like when we are in it, to me, is when we need the deepest level of self-love. And so for me, when I was going through this journey and my, I felt like my body was against me, I felt like my body was my enemy, I felt like there was just no way that my marriage was going to survive. When I was on the brink of just completely giving up, I had to remind myself how lovable I was, how much grace that was available to me in that moment, offering myself permission to be in, be in the deep end of it, to really be able to be human and to go through this human experience that oftentimes, I mean, it, it rattles you, it shakes you to your core, and then I didn't have to do it perfectly. And I think that was such a gift that I was able to give myself along this journey is laying aside the expectation of myself to do my healing work perfectly, that it would be linear, that it would be all straight, and I would just go from one step to the next step to the next step, because the reality is, and I'm sure, Andrea, you know this, <laughs> it's messy. I mean, yeah. it is really messy, and you, you know, you go forward, and you go back, and you go forward, and you go back, and everything in between, and I was having, you know, a lot of moments of just crying, a lot of moments of fear, and I, I really did believe though deeply that it was worth it, that I knew that there was more to life and that if I could get through this, there was this beautiful light. There was this beautiful hope on the other end of a life that I felt like I belonged in, a life that was mine, a life where I got to be myself and I didn't have to pretend, a life that felt easy, a life that felt congruent, a life that felt aligned. I knew that was what I was working towards. And so just offering ourselves this sweet, sweet tenderness as we're going through the hard work and just recognizing like so many of these fears, so many of the things that we are worried might come true are the fears that we've had since we were little. And so it's a lot of like sort of comforting our younger self and saying, sweetie, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You're so lovable. You are enough. You are beautiful. There is nothing that you can do to lose love. There is nothing that you can do to earn love. You as a being in your existence is so incredibly lovable. And I had to repeat that to myself over and over again as I was going through this because from the outside, I was like, this is not pretty. <laughs> this is not, this is not looking good. This is, this certainly can't be lovable. And so to me, the radical self-love happens within the process of becoming. And when you can offer yourself compassion, empathy, and tenderness, when you do get to this place of more light, then that is so solid inside of yourself. It's like you have to love the 1.0 version of yourself before you can ever love the 2.0 version of yourself. Mm. Yes. I love that. And I love that you, you know, gave us kind of that journey and just showing people that, yeah, it definitely is not a straight line and there, there is no there. Cause once you're there, there's always something else that, 
you know, you're like, now I want this. And it's just always just evolving. Like that's one of my favorite words. Just, we're just always evolving. Yes, absolutely. And bringing that peace, that radical self-love into the evolution as your journey unfolds. I love it. Um, And I want to talk about this one. I actually have debates with, with people, but um, like self-love, but still wanting to make a change. Cause I think sometimes people get into one or two camps, but I think that they can go together. So you can still love yourself, but you maybe want to make a change. So can yeah. you talk a little on that? Cause I think there's some confusion a little bit, um, just kind of in the messaging and the marketing that is out there right now. Yeah. The, <laughs> the marketing makes me crazy. I can just go on and on about that, <laughs> uh, but no, truly I think it goes hand in hand. So when you think about loving yourself or being content or being happy with where you are, to me, it's twofold. One, you have to be in a state of gratitude for where you are because where you are is, I mean, it's taken so much to get you there, whether you think you need to lose weight or whether you think you need to have a better marriage or be more successful or whatever the the changes that you think you need to make. Accepting where you are and saying, if nothing changed from today, can I receive and allow the belief that I am still lovable? And that's a really deep question. So if nothing were to change today, if I never lost another pound of weight, if I never made another dollar, if I never was able to have a deeper intimate relationship with my people in my life, my family, my husband, my, my friends, if everything stayed the same, could I believe and allow that I am lovable right now? And that to me, when you can begin your journey from a place of, you know what, the truth is, if I want to change something, that's just because I want to allow more goodness into my life. It doesn't even begin to change or touch my lovability. My lovability is not on the line. My lovability is not open to negotiation. And so if I were to, I'll just use weight as an example because I talk a lot about this body image. So if I were to gain 50 pounds, that does not make me any less lovable than I am right now. If I were to lose 50 pounds, that does not make me any more lovable than I am right now. And that's really important to know. So to me, when you can be in a place where you truly can say, you know what? I love myself. I am, I am content. I am grateful for all of the blessings in my life. I'm grateful for all of the challenges in my life. And then to me, when we look at making a change, it can be birthed out of this beautiful self-love. It's like, I love myself so much that I want to see how good it can get. I love myself so much that I want to take time to nurture and nourish myself in a different way that's more life-giving to myself. I love myself so much that I want to see if I can walk into a space of deeper conversations and understanding with my husband. I love myself so much that I want to experiment and see just how great and alive I can feel and allow more, tolerate more goodness. And so to me, the first, you have to be content and grateful for where you are right now. 
to even begin the change. Otherwise, the change is motivated out of shame. It's motivated out of guilt. It's motivated out of fear. It's motivated out of anxiety. And that kind of change is not long lasting. To me, moving towards pleasure is a way more powerful motivator than moving away from pain. And so when we move towards pleasure, how, see how good it can get, how great I can feel, how, how happy I can be, how joyful my life can become. That is a powerful agent for change that is motivated out of a really healthy place than out of, oh, I'm so fat, I'm gross, I'm disgusting, no one will love me until I lose weight, I'll never be able to get this promotion until I lose weight, so I'm going to beat my body in submission and abuse myself and starve myself and restrict myself into this weight loss. It's, it's a very different kind of energy and moving towards pleasure is way more long lasting. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And I would say, I mean, most of the people that I would see, like when I train them, a lot of them are coming to it from pain mm -hmm. and not from pleasure. And I'm sure there's, you know, other people who are also, you know, thinking like, okay, wow, maybe I have been coming at this from the wrong direction. Is there like a, something that you can do or say to yourself, like to kind of maybe flip the script and say, how can I look at this differently? Yeah, I think it's just slowing down and asking yourself, what is my motivation for change? Because that's going to be really telling. And you have to understand what's motivating this desire to change? What's motivating the desire to go meet with a plastic surgeon? What's motivating this need to work out five times a week? What's motivating this decision to cut out and restrict sugar? What's motivating this need to try to lose 10 pounds, whatever it is. And once you realize, oh, it's because I'm afraid that ultimately I won't be accepted and I won't belong and I won't be loved. That, if you peel back usually all the reasons why people diet and why people do these exercise plans that are really intense and not motivated in a place of, I want to feel great, it's out of fear that they won't be loved and accepted. I mean, that really is the bottom line. And so once we can become aware of what is that internal motivation, then it gives us the opportunity to say, is this really, does this really feel good? Does this really feel good? Is there any resistance in my body? Is there any resistance in my emotions and my mind towards this? It's like, I don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to work on intuitive eating and start listening to my body. And when we have a moment of resistance, it's like, ah, oh, there's something wonky in our motivation that is making us want to rebel. It's making us want to quit. It's, it's really not working. And so understanding that motivation doesn't even feel good. Is this coming out of a place that is going to give me more energy, more life, more joy, or does it just make me feel worse at the end and just feel like I'm failing and feel like everything is on the line if I don't meet this goal or, or complete this challenge? Does, do I feel like everything's on the line, including my lovability, including whether I have the friendships that I think that I should have or the relationship that I think that I should have? Is everything on the line? Is it really risky? Is it really scary? Do I feel like I might fail if I don't hit this result? That is an opportunity to go, okay, is there a way that I can shift into something that would motivate me from a place of empowerment and pleasure and joy and sort of flip the tape into a different direction? As you're saying that, I'm like, wow, gosh, 
I'm going to totally use some of that, you know, with some of the clients that I work with and just, I mean, I hear that all the time. Like I'll give me a hardcore workout and I'm like, you just were sick. Like that does not, right. why, why, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, cause I need it. I haven't worked out in a few weeks. I need it. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not what you need. You need to restore. We need to recover. We should probably do yoga. No, right. that's not hardcore enough. And just going through these battles and I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. I mean, I, I can just see this just in action of, you know, the many years that I've been, you know, training with clients. And since I've studied Ayurveda, I've, I've really switched kind of what I do as a trainer and really kind of been like, no, we don't need all of this hardcore fitness just for the sake of doing it. So I love that, you know, just kind of that switch and hopefully, you know, more people will be able to make that and just notice, okay, why do I feel the need to do this, you know, intense, maybe CrossFit style workout? Do you actually enjoy it or do you feel depleted or maybe defeated after? Well, and I think that, you're so right. And, and paying attention to the rules that we've attached to exercise. Yes. So like it doesn't count unless I sweat yep. or it doesn't count unless I run a mile or it doesn't count unless I burn X amount of calories or if I'm losing weight or shrinking inches, it doesn't count. And to me for the work that I do, I'm like, of course it counts. It so counts <laughs> if you get up and you just literally walk down to the end of the street and back, mm-hmm. micro movements. It absolutely counts if you do something that is restorative. And it comes with learning how to create a really nurturing relationship with your body where you listen to it and respect it. And so when you've been sick or when you are exhausted, that you say, body, I hear you. And I'm going to honor that and I'm going to rest and we're going to do gentle stretching or we're going to do restorative yoga or we're just going to gently walk. And that counts. It's rewriting the rules that we've attached to movement and challenging that. And it's hard because we've been told, especially as women, you have to do all this cardio and you know, now with CrossFit, all of these different rules that we have to make sure that our bodies shift and we change and we lose weight and we have low fat content um, or body fat, it's really important to challenge that and to really operate out of a place of feeling. Mm -hmm. Do I feel like I have more energy when I'm done? Do I feel strong? Do I feel like my mental health is better at the end of a workout or worse? Am I feeling energetic? Am I feeling motivated or am I feeling exhausted? Am I feeling weak? Do I feel like I have a really hard time moving throughout my day and paying attention to that and respecting your body's voice and honoring that. And again, rewriting the rules that so much more counts than burning calories and sweating and all of that. Some of the most powerful things that we can do for our overall health are really gentle ways of moving. Mm. Yeah. And they're more nourishing for the body, you know, going Mm -hmm. for a walk that counts. Like people are like, Oh, I'm like, did you work out? You know, before I saw you last and I'm like, Oh, I just went for a walk. I'm like, that counts. That does like, I don't know why we suddenly decided that didn't count, but you know, just kind of telling people, no walking that counts. (laughs) Well, we, I just laugh. And I was just talking to my boyfriend about this last night because we were talking about how before rewind the clock hundreds of years ago, you know, people probably walked 20 miles a day, just to get to where they were going and to live their life. And arguably those times, you know, people were the healthiest from the standpoint of just being able to keep up with life and their endurance and all of that. And you look at the research over and over and over again, walking 
for longevity, for health, for your lifespan is single-handedly the most important thing that you could do. If you did nothing else but walk every day, you'll probably be healthier than people who are doing CrossFit every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so crazy to, to think that. And we've been fed a lot of different lies. I'm sure we could talk all about that, but yeah. it's like giving our bodies permission. Like it's okay to walk. It counts. That totally counts. Yes. And, and that's why I tell people too. I'm like the CrossFit is relatively new. And I'm like, we don't know what people's bodies are going to be like in 20 years from doing CrossFit so many times a week. And I'm like, it's just that who knows, like that maybe is not going to be the greatest for the body. It's a lot of pounding. <laughs> Well, and again, it goes back to listening to the body. So for me, I love strength training. I enjoy an intense workout and do that a couple times a week. And there are often times where I say, I can't do that or my body doesn't need that today. And, you know, being willing to walk into the gym and say, nope, it's going to be yoga today. Mm-hmm. And again, paying attention to how you feel, because there are some times where it feels really great to do an intense workout. But doing it again for the motivation of this is the only thing that counts and I have to do this or I'm not going to lose weight. That is sort of the negative kind of motivation that really isn't going to help your body in the long term. It's a lot of stress on your body. And what's more important is slowing down and listening and asking yourself, what do I need today? What do I need it from an emotional standpoint? What do I need from a physical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint? and being willing for that to shift from day to day. Mm, yes. Um, so I want to kind of wrap up because I do want to talk about affirmations. Yeah. And I know that's something that you talk about. And I know that you have five mistakes that people make when they're making affirmations. So I want to hear kind of a little bit about the mistakes. So in case people are like, oh, I've heard of them, but I don't really know what they are or how to do them right. Yeah. Well, creating affirmations is really a fun process and something that I do day in and day out all day now, just almost at nauseum. Every time I think I'm, I'm creating affirmations in my mind because it's a way for me to rewire my brain and to create that new story, to tell myself a new truth. And the more often that I can say these affirmations, the quicker my brain is going to rewire and I'm going to start looking for that external proof to line up with what I want to be true. So I am lovable. I am enough. I don't have to do anything else today and I'm still lovable, all those different things. So when we start creating our affirmations, it's really easy to fall into a couple of these mistakes. And the first is that uh, the mistake is that they are not in present tense. Mm -hmm. And so we start saying them as if they were in the future, like one day this is going to happen or eventually I'll get there or uh, in the future I'll be happy. And it's really important for us to communicate to our mind that we believe that this has already happened as if the state that we want to be in or the goal that we're trying to achieve is already achieved. Our dreams are already realized and everything in our mind kind of creates it in present tense already. And so we want to be in alignment with our subconscious mind and be consistent and say it in the present tense, not the future tense so that we believe this is already true for us and then we can go to work with making that true as if we believe it's already happening right now in the present moment. So the first mistake is that our affirmations aren't in the present tense. And then the second thing that I see, the second mistake, is that people create affirmations that are too long. Mm -hmm. And it's a paragraph and it ends up being more of a vision statement. And when we're saying affirmations, it's really great if they are short 
and they are succinct and to the point. These short little commands, these short sentences, so that our brain can memorize them really easily and so that we can access them from memory really quickly. So the second mistake is that they're too long. And then the third mistake that I see is that people aren't allowing gratitude to be a part of the process. So they aren't including gratitude. So most people offer gratitude or thanks after they have received what they want. And offering gratitude in advance is one of the most powerful tools to create and attract what you want because it's a way of believing, a way of setting into motion and belief and faith that this is going to happen. So sort of using affirmations, putting them in a celebratory tone and asking yourself, okay, what would that feel like if these goals and dreams came to be? Writing from that place and I'm so grateful to be celebrating my house being 100% paid off. Like that is a really great affirmation that includes gratitude. And then the fourth mistake, and I think this might be the most important, is that oftentimes people's affirmations do not evoke emotion. And they don't inspire. They don't move you. They're just these sort of statements that you might feel like you should be saying or that sound good on paper. But if they don't elicit emotion, you're not going to want to move towards them. You're not going to do what's necessary to get to that place if they don't feel good. So if we can charge them up with emotion, say them with emotion, when we say them out loud, which is a really powerful way to practice um, our affirmations, it's really great to say it as if it is like, oh my gosh, this is life's blood. You know, like I am earning $10,000 a month. I feel amazing in the body that I have. I'm so grateful for the strength of my body. Like evoking that emotion is going to make you want to hurry up and get there. <laughs> and then the last mistake that I see people making is that they are too far from where you are. Mm -hmm. meaning like let's say you want to lose 50 pounds and so you might say something like oh my gosh I feel amazing in my body from losing 50 pounds that from where you are the gap is too big it's too far and so you're gonna not believe that you can get there it's gonna feel unrealistic it's gonna feel like BS to you and so I always tell people start by cracking the door open when you're creating your affirmations you don't have to open the door all the way wide start with just that little place of cracking the door it might just be possible that i will feel amazing next year in my body or it might just be possible that giving yourself permission to just go a little bit outside instead of having to go all the way to the end result starting small, baby stepping your way through the affirmation, it might just be possible that one day I look in the mirror and I don't hate my body. It might just be possible that I'm able to do two push-ups by the end of next week instead of being able to do 30 push-ups in a month. Whatever that looks like, starting small, bringing it back to something that feels like you can actually do it and accomplish it. I've been guilty of all five of those. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> so that totally makes sense. Um, and then what happens like if we don't believe what we're saying? So like, we're like, oh, this is, this is it, but we don't actually believe it. Yeah. Usually it's a level, two things. 
usually it's a belief that we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. So how we are kind of our level of deservability, what we believe that we deserve is really important in affirmations. Because if we believe that we don't deserve to be happy or healthy or energetic, then it's going to be really hard to believe these affirmations. And then the second piece is that the gap is too big and we just need to close that gap in a little bit tighter because it's just too far of a stretch for us. It's like, I can't imagine, I've had people tell me, I have a a course that I run that is um, all about loving your body and making peace with the mirror. And when I tell people where I am now and I say, oh my gosh, I I have no stress around getting dressed in the morning. I get ready naked in the morning. I enjoy looking at my body. I can wear shorts. I can wear a two-piece bathing suit, which before I could never do. And people will say, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. And they don't believe that they themselves can get there also. And anytime we believe that we can't be there or we don't deserve to be there, then it's almost like the end result is too far from where we're sitting right now. And we need to back it up and try to just inch our way a little bit closer and create affirmations that move us to the next little inched out place versus several feet down the road. Would this be something that you would say like every morning, every evening, or how would you kind of incorporate these into your life? Yeah. So for me, I would say the more you can say them, the better. So it's almost like you're learning a new language because you have this story that's really old. It's like, you know, English, you've learned English, you've practiced English every day of your life. It's, you don't even have to think about speaking English. It just happens. And when you're learning Spanish, you got to get your flashcards out. you got to practice your vocabulary. You need to practice talking with somebody else and using that new dialogue. And so for me, the more you can practice, the quicker your brain will rewire itself into these new set of beliefs. So yeah, I have them on my mirror. I have them on a, a reminder, little notification on my phone. And I'm journaling them out every day. And so the more you can say them, the better. I mean, at minimum, I would say if you could say them three times a day would be great. And increasing that as you feel more comfortable. And again, as often as you can, I tell people if they really want to supercharge their affirmations, if you give yourself a song or an instrumental song that feels really just moving to you. Like it just juices you up. You are ready to conquer the day, something from one of your favorite movies. And if you can say your affirmation over and over again, repeat it over and over again to the length of a really motivational song, the length of that, let's say three or four minutes. And if you did that every day, that's going to supercharge your affirmation and be really powerful. Oh, I love it. Oh, those are great. Um, So I know like if people are like, I want more Mary and you do a Facebook live show. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where we can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I do a weekly Facebook live show, which is basically like a podcast, but you get to see my face and I have pretty slides and (laughs) it's really fun. I I love being able to interact with people. And so I do that every Wednesday at one o'clock central over on my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com forward slash Mary Grace. Hyatt, H-Y-A-T-T. And I'm there every Wednesday, one o'clock. And we talk about body image. We talk about authenticity, self-discovery. We talk about affirmations. All of this stuff that we've been talking about on today's podcast are the type of things that I'll be getting into depth uh, on the actual Facebook live show. Perfect. Oh, I love it. Um, And then any place else that we can connect with you at? 
I love Instagram. I'm kind of an Instagram <laughs> junkie. <I do> <laughs> so follow me on Instagram. I do Insta stories. I just love it. And that to me, I feel like is the, the place that I am the most me. I just really love it. So Mary G like grace, Mary G Hyatt on Instagram. Perfect. And then one final question. Um, I always like to throw out a little weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have guests on, I have you guys kind of throw out a little challenge. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? So a challenge I think would be great kind of in line with these affirmations is to go ahead and write out two affirmations this week and write them on a sticky note, write them on a post-it note and put them on your bathroom mirror or in your car or somewhere where you're going to see these every single day on your fridge and commit for the next week to say these affirmations out loud three times a day. Perfect. I like it. That is, and that's a good little reminder. And so now we know how not to write one so we can just kind of flip that and write one correctly. So that is one that I will be working on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mary. It's been such a pleasure having you on and getting to know you a little bit more. And I cannot wait to catch your Facebook live show live. So looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclausen.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.